Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, hold on. But I didn't make my point. I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Quest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut, and that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside flooding those little pests, you are in luck. Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield Tailored Treatment System. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for the season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This promise has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest. Top three corner men, punching in. With a punch's chance, we find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bring in crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurious curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to the throwing jabs podcast the number one combat sports podcast on the internet. I'm Big Jace, joined by Jared Jones and Joe Aguirre. We got a lot to talk about, a lot, big, big weekend in fights. But first, let's start off previewing last week. We had some big, fu- I mean, the week prior, we had a big fight in the lightweight, boxing's lightweight division. We had even more starting off with Devin Haney defeating Joseph Diaz Jr., Via unanimous decision. Start with you this time, Jared. What did you think of the fight? Uh, good fight. Devin, Devin Haney did what he had to do to win. Uh, I think unlike our other guy there, he's not like decisively losing rounds on a regular basis to where you're worried about this guy in the future. Um, the numbers don't look as dominant as it well as I mean, four or five round spread is pretty good at the end of the day. But uh, I thought Haney looked really good. I thought he looked really good. He doesn't get uh, hit unnecessarily, a la Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, some of the other guys in this the upper echelon of this weight class, I think, take a lot of unnecessary punishment. Um, he didn't do that and still went out and looked for the finish and good fight. Joe, I mean, you weren't here last week. Last week we were kind of talking about who can take control of this lightweight division. 
who's the top guy right now. Can De- Devin Haney take that step? Can he become undisputed and, and control this division? I think I've made it clear Haney's my least favorite of this group. Um, he is. I, and and I, But I'll tell you what, and, and you're right, Jared, all credit to him. He went out there, stayed in the pocket. He banged with Diaz all night. Uh, did get caught in the 12th of the left. He got a little wobbly. That seems to be a Haney thing. Uh, he's going to get hit at some point, but um, no one's taking him down. And he doesn't knock guys out, but he definitely takes them apart. And, you know, we are going to talk about Tank in a second. I mean, I think going for the knockout every time is, again, especially as you start to fight your fellow elite fighters at the in the lightweight division, I think I think Haney's going to be better carved up to do this because I think he's a little more prepared, you know, to to basically to, to hang with these guys. You know, Tank versus Haney that that'll probably happen. Tayfima, I I just think the way Haney fights, the patience that he uses, the smarts that he employs, I think he's got a a, a much better chance to beat those guys head to head because he's not going for knockouts. Not that he's not going for knockouts, but he doesn't live or die by the knockout the way somebody like Tank does. The way somebody like Tank, you know, generally will 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 you know uh, uh, wind up and, and throw power punches. I mean, give me a break. Haney's sharp. He it, it's it's not sexy to watch this guy, but he wins his fights. And at the end of the day, that's what this sport is all about. Yeah, that's what you're looking for. Yep. Yeah, and I, I mean. But but the thing is, is you you said it there, there, Joe as well. I mean, he does get hit sometimes, and I mean, when you're going up against some of these guys who are more so power punchers, I, I don't know if he can necessarily handle their their, their power. But I mean, it, that's why these guys need to fight. We talked about it last week. This is the division where it's so deep as far as talent goes, and no one is fighting one another. And it's ridiculous, and, I mean, that's been a problem for boxing for so long. But, uh, I mean, let's talk about the other side of the lightweight. Javante Davis, I mean, he lose it. Jared, you said it last week. You just said it again. This guy's evidently, obviously losing rounds, looking for that knockout, but but still getting by. Uh, I mean, what do you think of him? I know you're not a big fan. No, no, I'm not. I feel like he's got all of, you know who he reminds me of. And I hate this every time I say it because he's a friend of mine, but Chad Dawson. Um, Chad had all the athletic ability in the world and wasn't adapting and learning those general boxing fundamentals for when that athletic ability started to wear off. Picture Tank Davis fighting like this at 29. Now, 28, 29, that's, that's, that's relatively uh, like middle age for a fighter. But picture Tank with this fighting style four or five years from now. This guy's not very good. He's just not very good. He's got some distinct athletic abilities. How much more athletic is Davis than Loma? I mean, Loma just does everything right, and this guy does everything wrong. And if they fight each other, maybe Tank went land something, but he probably wins a round or two and just gets his ass kicked. The name to know in this division is William Zapata. You're welcome. I thought Isaac Cruz was the bartender from the Love Boat. <laughs> I 
It's a last-minute guy steps in here, uh, brought nonstop pressure to tank, showed off a real strong chin, really mm-hmm. didn't give Davis a lot of room to maneuver and get those punches in. I think the best thing that happened for Tank, the 16-fight knockout streak ended. I think he's... I think he's going to, you know, I think that was important because he's going to lose a fight at some point in the next two or three years. And I, I, I'm i concerned that that he'll fall to pieces like Deontay Wilder did. Yes. That's and what so Adrian Broner. That's what we're looking at here. I think a fight like this where a nobody last minute replacement fighter gave him all he could handle. I think it's time to go back to the shop. And and maybe start working the jab. Maybe start figuring out some some things you can do where you're not winding up from halfway across the ring to throw your 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 left uh, uppercut. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean he's talented. Don't get me wrong. He's got great power. He's not a good boxer. And against somebody like a Lomachenko, he, I I think Lomachenko would destroy Tank inside of two rounds the way he currently fights. Mm. And I only say two rounds because Loma would spot him the first and then kick the crap out of him in the second. It's hard when these guys turn into prima donnas to get to him, though. You look at uh, you look at Davis and and he's he's it's it's like Tyson when he left Dundee. You know, why would you do that? He's training you to go 15 rounds. They cut the rounds to 12. He still trains you to go 15. But nah, you're Mike Tyson and you knock everybody out in three and shouldn't be training that hard. And you yeah. figured it out on your own and then lost to Buster Douglas. And that's it's, what's going on here. You need somebody that's going to train and get the techniques and the the fundamentals down with Davis. And he's too hard headed to learn them. And he's just going to get outpicked and outpoint. You, you, you lost rounds like on a 50-50 split to Leo Santa Cruz, Mario Barrios, Isaac Cruz. You know, you add all those together, you won about 55, 65% of the rounds against those guys. That's not good enough for where we're talking about him being. That is just not good enough. Yeah. And I, I was scrolling through ESPN and the article talking about this fight, the, the headline was Javante Davis wins a closer than expected fight against Isaac Cruz. And that should probably be his nickname, closer than expected. The, but the thing is, should is, have been Isaac Cruz beat the crap out of Tank Davis for 12 rounds. Yeah. Tank escapes with a win. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, is it closer than expected? I mean, Javante Davis, he isn't like little wilder, like Chase, Sanders said. Chase, straight up. If I would have been here last week, I would have said simply Tank either knocks him out in the fourth or goes the distance. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, to me, I feel like, yeah, uh, of course all those fights are closer to be expected because if he doesn't knock you out in the third, the fourth, the seventh, the eighth, then you're going the distance, and it's not going to be pretty because he's not a great boxer. Sander Tank loses to all of those guys. Agreed. Except for maybe Ryan Garcia. I love the comment from Tony. Josh Taylor would embarrass Tank Davis. So he can't move up either. There's not a lot of places for this guy to go. Zapata would make him look bad. And he's not even ready yet. Um, th- yeah, yeah, dude. dude this, if this is what Isaac Cruz did, 
Ah, uh, Loma, Lopez, Haney, those guys are off the... Watch the Haney fight. Watch the Davis fight, dude. Haney will beat him 116-112. He'll beat him 8-4. to four. Tank will land a few good shots. Maybe he gets Haney out of there. Punch his chance. I haven't read anything. Box. I haven't read up on Tank since the fight. But uh, if I had to bet money, he's very pleased with himself. Oh, he did everything Would- right. Well, yeah, that would be my 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 guess is that he feels good about this. He wants Cambasos next, right? He's this was a he's ready to go, and it's like, dude, I I feel bad for him and anybody in the Mayweather world because the 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 delusions of grandeur that they're putting out there for again, Rocky Three, you're you're protecting fighters and. The Clubber Lang always ends up showing up. Yeah, it's like Tiafimo Lopez, who scrunched his face up like he was surprised by the decision, but you couldn't tell because his face was already all scrunched up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you lost. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this, I, I, I'm so sick and tired of taking it. Like I mentioned with the ESPN article, closer than expected. It, it wasn't. It was closer than expected because this dude's got the, the Floyd Mayweather uh, pr- promotional team all, all behind him. That 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 is what we expected. We we expect him to either knock the guy out, look look terrible, but just land a punch, or or look terrible and then get the judges to to give you the nod because boxing and judges are are wild like that. But oh, yeah. and absolutely, you would think working with Floyd, he would know how to suck and move better. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. He did right. issue, by the way, a correction. <laughs> Stick and move, but suck and move. I got it. It was it was funnier the first way. Oh, it certainly yeah. was. Oh, all right. Let's get let's get. I mean, we got a big yeah, US- but not for nothing. You would think you would think, listen, if Floyd Mayweather is to boxing, what Floyd Mayweather thinks he is to boxing, all of his stable of young guys would be out yeah. there getting the would would be out there impressing. Instead, they're all in their early twenties and they're pulling prime time Floyd moves. Bad news, and 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 not the way to endear yourself to fans. It hits the other thing. If if you're any of these lightweights, look around. Look at the overwhelming majority of people don't love Floyd Mayweather. They don't love him. Undefeated, yeah. good tactical boxer. Everyone this hates him. This can't be your guy. This can't be your guy, though, because. Here it is, 24. So, Gervonta Davis from uh, 22 is right here. So, we've got – this is at the same age frame, the opponents of Floyd Mayweather and Tank Davis. Tank Davis fought Hugo Ruiz, Ricardo Nunez in Old Gamboa, Santa Cruz, Berrios, and then just Isaac Cruz. Floyd Mayweather, at that same age, this guy you're professing to be following in the footsteps of, uh, fought Diego Corrales, uh, Carlos Hernandez, Jesus Chavez, Jose Luis Castillo twice, uh, and Demarcus Chop Chop Corley during that same section of his life. You can't honestly still believe that you're the next to that guy. You're already too old to be the next that guy, and you're 25. Yes. Yes. 
And all these guys lose to all those guys. <laughs> I love the comparison. It's fun for people like us that are doing shows yeah. like this to make that comparison. But at the end of the day, those guys were, we don't have a haggler. We don't have a haggler in there. Don't be funny. There's no hagglers. Go through and you tell me in that weight class who the haggler is. It's not. <laughs> it's Dude, but I mean, laughable. again, Isaac Cruz is the haggler. Avoiding each other like the yeah. plague. Yeah, I yeah, mean, these yeah. guys don't. I mean, it's funny. Everybody wants Combasos now, but nobody, nobody wanted anybody else before that fight. Oh, all I have to do is write lightweight boxing match canceled. Every time I want to call into work, I Google lightweight boxing match canceled, and I get this whole list of mental health issues. Dog ate my abducted by you know, and that's like all of these things. That uh, that uh, ways to get out of it. Yeah, you pay attention to that lightweight division, so you know which excuses to use when you need to get out of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. But I mean, if you want to compare the, those guys to, to the to the guys that told you, the Hagler, the Leonard, the Hearns, uh, all those guys, the Durans, Durant, yeah. they have to fight each other. Plain and simple. That's what you got to do. In their if prime, to, though. Make sure you mention that. In their prime, yeah. they need to fight. Because I got a feeling true. that these guys are going to wait until they're like in their late 30s and we'll start getting a, hey, Tank and Teofimo finally meet in a ring. Yeah, Trilla. Trilla will hold their, yeah. their 50 year old. Yeah. If these, <laughs> oh, listen, yeah. if these guys want to create a legacy, if these guys want to be compared to, legitimately compared to Duran, Leonard, Hearns, and Hagler. You're going to have to start banging with each other. You're going to have to understand, and you got to stop listening to Floyd, that losing a fight isn't the end of your career. It's not the end of the world. It's just the end of the night. Mm-hmm. And you'll live another day, and you you can fight in, you know, my God, the, the, the Leonard Hagler. I mean, the, some of the most legendary fights in, in boxing history. The only way you'll get that uh, is if you step in the ring with another great fighter somebody and, and I, I don't know why these guys just maybe they don't understand it or again i think it's the the fear of losing a fight having a loss on your record and and i just boy oh boy man they talk you, about that in all sports the dance partner you've got to have a dance partner every one of those great fights that we could mention all the greatest fights of all time somebody lost yeah. Those are our greatest fights of all time. We remember them. We put them right up at the top of the list. Nobody looks at Diego Corrales and goes, ah, tomato can. Got his ass kicked by Floyd. How many times did he knock him down? Seven, eight. Nobody does that. It was Diego Corrales. And part of it was that he was willing to take on the undefeated Asolito Freitas that danced around and make him look bad for five rounds before he was able to wear him down and get on top of him and knock his ass out. Asolito Freitas versus Diego Corrales. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. Nobody looks at that guy and goes, when you say Hagler, Leonard, Hearns, Duran, which one of those guys stands apart to you? Because it's a different guy than stands apart to me. It's not about remembering which guys won and lost which fight. It's about those great fighters fighting each other and having those great fights to remember and having some kind of legacy and knowing where you stand in the game, in the grand scheme of things, because None of us, because we know as good as they do where they stand in this game until they get in the ring together. I will tell you this. 
for me, Tank Davis is Roberto Duran in that I hated Roberto Duran. Okay. That's the only comparison I can make <laughs> to this group bad. because of the four, he's my he's my Duran. He's the guy I don't care for him and I don't want to see him win any of his fights. Right. I, I will say, I mean, a, a a a great loss to someone as great like, like a Lomachenko or a Haney is a lot better on your resume than beating up some dude that they, that they picked outside of uh, Home Depot who wears sneakers in the ring or whatever. So, uh, yeah, dude, not for nothing. Let's say you get finished by an Isaac Cruz, then you're done. Yes, then you're finished. Then it's all over. Now you got to go pack it up and start calling fights. 14 <laughs> rounds. I hate to bring it up again, but uh, our Roberto Duran in this weight class name is William Zapata. Uh, 24 wins, 22 by way of knockout. 14 rounds outside of those knockouts where you can count the actual judging scores. He lost two of those based on the judges' scorecards. One of them two to one. So he's not out there losing rounds. He's bullying people. He's running them over. He's a smaller Canelo, Baturbiev type. That's our Duran in this division, and he will beat most of these guys. Garcia, Tank, Haney. Not ready for Loma. Maybe not ready for Lopez, but he will beat all three of those guys. It's Zapata is my Ortiz Jr. of this weight class. I read an article this morning. I think it was on DAZN where they referred to Ryan Garcia as a social media star. <laughs> I... And that's the zone. I don't, I, I, dude, I, don't, I, I saw that guy. and I was like, oh, uh, do they mean that as a compliment or is that like a backhanded? I wasn't sure, but <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, that's crazy. I mean, it's, it's crazy that it, that it makes it's okay. Yeah. yeah all right. I mean, <laughs> that's your guy, and that's what you're calling him. That that's the crazy part. I mean, it's it's uh, true. I mean, when was the last time this guy was in the ring? I can't even remember. Dude, this guy, I I love Garcia's because my last name's Garcia. But come on, Ryan Garcia, be be impressive. But uh, all right, well, we got a big UFC fight, big UFC card, UFC two sixty nine. But first, let's switch over to the fight. Last night, last weekend, Jose Aldo beats Rob Font via unanimous decision. I, I don't know. Jared, what this, do you think of the fight? This was the beginning of a two and nine stretch for me in MMA. I couldn't pick my nose on this card or the <laughs> next one. Um, I had Font thought he would be able to out jab and out work, and Aldo just looked bigger, stronger, uh, more experienced. This was wild to watch. It's one of those fights that lets you know that you really can't tell. No matter how much attention you're paying and how much you think you know, you really can't tell what guys are going to show up that night. And Aldo didn't look a day over 26. <laughs> so. Good fight, kid. Well, well done. Give him another tighter shot or wherever it is he goes next. And Fon, if you can't beat an aged Aldo where you are in your career and you lose all five rounds so decisively like that, are we ready to move Rob Fon over with uh, Darren Till on the sideline? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to say 
I mean, obviously, vintage Aldo. This was uh, start to finish domination at 35 years old, five strong. This is a guy who had a reputation, as great as he's been, of fading out late in fights. A great win for him. Uh, he's he's all in on this bantamweight division. I wasn't here last week, so I I didn't uh, obviously pick who I wanted to win. I did sit down to watch this fight, and immediately. Um, gravitated towards I wanted to see Jose Aldo win. Um, I didn't put any money on it, and I literally didn't bet. I just, the second the fight started, I was like, I'd love to see Aldo go out here and 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 win. And I didn't, honestly, didn't think that he would. I thought this would be a good fight. I thought it would be a close fight. Um, but, man, uh, you're right about Rob Font. You know, I, I want to say... <sighs> I'm I'm almost willing to let this slide opinion-wise on Font that I don't know. I, I, I can't I can't it, he didn't look great in this fight and he'd been fighting so well. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I I, I get that, Joe. I mean, I'm not necessarily I mean, Aldo is one of the best in the game great. ever. So I, I mean to to come out. I mean, I'm sure there was like a little bit of respect. That's why it wasn't normal Rob Font as well. Uh, I, I I get it, but I will say last week I said if Jose Aldo wants to go back on a run here, uh, I think take a little bit out of Glover Teixeira's book and get the fight to the ground. Nine minutes of control. Uh, on the ground. Uh, I think that that's what he has to do. I, I think if he does that, he can get into this Bantamweight title picture and, and extend his career even longer because, uh, I mean, uh, I liked before last week on the show, I mean, we talked about how Jose Aldo went away from his kicks because that was a big thing on, on this yep. losing streak, on the big losing streak he had. He just turned into a boxer, not going into his kicks. And, uh, and I understand he has had a lot of leg injuries and that stuff, so that's why he's been tentative with it. But, uh, okay, if you're going to struggle with that, if, if you do have that in the back of your mind, your injuries for with these kicks, just take it to the ground. You, you, you're a black belt. You, you, there is a skill gap. Like right now, in that division, maybe Corey Sandhagen, maybe Aljermaine Sterling could give him trouble on the ground. Maybe. But, I mean, Jose Aldo still, he, he's on another level as far as his ground game goes. I think if he does that, as we saw in this fight, almost two whole rounds of control time on the ground. So, I think he can get back in the hunt there. But, I mean, I, I don't know. He can know. get back in the hunt, but I will tell you this. Jose Aldo has a 0% chance of beating Peter Yan. Yeah. I would list it as literally zero. Yeah. I, I I don't see any avenues where Aldo beats Jan. Like literally none. None. No. Yeah. I think. Wait. Maybe if Jan slips on a banana peel, hits his head. <laughs> maybe. Otherwise, Jan... no. No chance. And that's that's unfortunate, but I think it speaks volumes about Jan. Yeah. Um, I don't think Sterling Dillashaw. And obviously, San Hagen obviously all, all can't beat Jan either. So that's no disrespect meant to Jose Aldo. 
Um, I just don't think any of those guys has the tool in the toolbox necessary to beat Jan. But listen, for 35 and make it a great run late in his career, for an all-time great like Galdo to do that, that's awesome. And I would love yeah. to see him bang out with all of those guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be great. Uh, I know we had pride on here last week. He hates uh, Aljermaine Sterling because he's flaunting around with the belt. That that would be the only way I, I see Aldo beating Jan is if Jan beats himself and throws a throws a illegal knee or something. But because I mean, th- that's all. That's the only way you can beat Peter Jan right now is if he beats himself. Because that man, I mean, like I said when he fought Corey Sandhagen, Corey Sandhagen, uh, just like Aldo. They're at the top. They're fighting for the top of the bantamweight division. Peter Yan is fighting to be at the top of the pound for pound list. He's just a different, different type of fighter. So, and I was worried about that Sanhagen fight. You know, I mean, yeah. he's got the length. He's got the size. He's a very exciting fighter. Um, and didn't matter. Didn't matter at all. So. Yeah. But yeah. awesome for Aldo, dude. I love Jose Aldo. You know, it, it's real quick before we move on. I've always asked the question why he didn't get a rematch with Connor. Yeah. I mean, he got slipped while landing a big right to Connor's head. Um, I always thought, like, I don't know, man. If I was Jose Aldo, I'd be like, let's run that back real quick. I feel like I can, can do a little bit better. Could do better than I just did there. That was not indicative of my talents. Yeah, but I, I mean, hate that that happened to Jose Aldo. I still to this day I hate that, and I hate he never got uh, any kind of retribution there. Yeah, I mean, but I, I hate that as well. But I mean, that's on Connor. I mean, look at what Connor's done since that fight. Yeah, he's not, I mean, like fought like not, five not, fights in eight yeah. years since then, but still. I just always, I always, it always, because, and, and, and you guys know my brother, Tony and I are, are very passionate about, you know, when you're the champion and you lose, if you want to, if you fought well and you want to run it back, we both believe that that should be your right. But the uh, world champion's too abstract for that, Joe, right now. Oh, no, I, I get it. I'm just saying, I mean, again, dude, a big fight like Aldo and McGregor, he gets slipped like 10 seconds into the fight, 13 mm-hmm. seconds in. Give him a ring. Oh, I'd love to have watched them bang out three, four, five rounds. That would have been that would have been a kind of fight I would have enjoyed seeing. And I understand Connor was kind of doing his own thing at that point, but um, oh, it's just to this day I I see that fight all the flipping through YouTube. Of course, through, I yeah. see that fight. I watch it because it's literally thirteen seconds long, and I always think, dude, man, I don't know. I'd love I, to see uh, Jose and, 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 and McGregor go one more time. I would. Dude was at the top of the pound for pound list, and then you couldn't give him that rematch. That that's 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 my big but but yeah. I mean Connor's Tony, just Tony oh. should be uh flattered by the by what I'm about to say here because uh I got excited when I realized he was wrong. You know, I looked it up, I'm like, oh wow, he's right, and then I found Luciano Azevedo. At uh, seventeen and nine, which was Aldo's first loss, um, so he's a nobody. But Conor McGregor, Max Holloway, Max Holloway, Volkanovski, Marais, and Peter Yan, you can have as all-time greats. Uh, yeah, and I didn't see this coming. I keep waiting for him to fade. And you look at that list: split decision to Marais too. Uh, 
This is a tough guy. This is still a dangerous, dangerous man, Jose Aldo. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to see see him fight those top guys. Like him against Sandy, him against Dillashaw. That, I was I think just thinking about Aldo make. Dillashaw. I love to watch that. I would love, I would love that. That would be that, that's got to be the fight to make. That's got to be the fight to make. But I'm excited. And uh, let, let's stick with the UFC talk. We got a big card coming up, but first. Let's hear a little word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. So Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, Becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes. It's very exciting. So a lot of fun. Now you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTBD Realty is people over paychecks do the damn thing. And that's what we do. Saturday night at UFC 269, Oliveira versus Poirier. The main event features champion Charles Oliveira, who defends the UFC lightweight title against former interim champ Dustin Poirier. Let's break it down. Dustin Poirier, 32 years old, he's 5'9 with a 72-inch reach and a record of 28-6-1 with 14 knockouts and 7 submissions. From Lafayette, Louisiana, Poirier had a troubled youth, constantly getting into trouble and dropped out of high school in the ninth grade. He turned pro in May of 2009 with a first-round knockout. He quickly went 9-1 with 8 finishes before making his UFC debut in early 2011 with a unanimous decision over John Grisby. After winning his next three, including an armbar submission of Max Holloway, he suffered his first loss in the organization when he was submitted in four rounds by the Korean Zombie. He bounced back seven months later with a bravo choke of Jonathan Brookins and scored knockouts over Diego Brandau and Akira Khorasani before getting knocked out in the first round by future star Conor McGregor. Seven months later, he moved up to lightweight, scoring a first-round knockout over Carlos Ferreira, then going on a four-fight winning streak before suffering a first-round knockout to Michael Johnson. After winning a brutal back-and-forth decision against Jim Miller, he took on Eddie Alvarez, with the fight being ruled a no contest as Alvarez landed two illegal knees on him. He returned with a third-round body triangle over Anthony Pettis and engaged in a hellacious slugfest with Justin Gaethje, sustaining heavy damage before catching him with a counter-left cross followed by a withering flurry to secure the fourth-round knockout. 
He followed that up with a second-round knockout of Eddie Alvarez and a unanimous decision over Max Holloway to become the interim lightweight champion. On September 7, 2019, he took on champion Khabib Nurmagomedov, losing to the all-time great via third-round rear-naked choke. After defeating Dan Hooker by decision in a savage back-and-forth brawl, he took on old foe Conor McGregor in an eagerly anticipated rematch, inflicting heavy damage to his lead leg in the first round before catching him against the cage with a powerful right hook and finishing him with ground and pound. Six months later, they had their rubber match with the fight ending as a result of a freak accident when McGregor's tibia snapped at the end of the first round. One of the most well-rounded fighters in the sport, Poirier has some of the best boxing skills, footwork, and calf kicks in the game and is also one of the most durable, often breaking his opponents down in savage wars of attrition. Charles Oliveira, 32 years old, he's 5'10 with a 74-inch reach and a record of 31-8-1 with 9 knockouts and 19 submissions. From Sao Paulo, Brazil, Oliveira started training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the age of 12 and won his first major title at 14. He turned pro on March 15, 2008 in the Predator Fight Club, winning the Welterweight Grand Prix with three first-round stoppages. He then won his next 11 fights, 10 by stoppage, before suffering his first loss to a knee bar submission to Jim Miller at UFC 124. After a no contest due to an illegal knee with Nick Lentz, he was matched up with Cowboy Cerrone, getting dropped with a knee and then stopped by a vicious ground and pound. He bounced back the following year with two submissions, but was then knocked out by a brutal overhand right by Cub Swanson, and after a 10-month layoff, dropped a decision to Frankie Edgar. He came back seven months later and went on a four-fight win streak, including a unanimous decision over Jeremy Stevens and a guillotine choke of Nick Lentz, but then lost four of his next six, including a TKO due to neck injury to Max Holloway. Back-to-back submissions to Anthony Pettis and Ricardo Lamas. And then a second-round knockout to Paul Felder, who blasted him out with a series of elbows. After taking some time off to rest himself, he went on a seven-fight win streak, all by stoppage, including submissions of Clay Guida, Jim Miller, and Kevin Lee, while scoring knockouts over Jared Gordon and Nick Lentz. In December 2020, he scored his most impressive victory to date, a comprehensive three-round beating of former interim champion Tony Ferguson, in which he dominated from the beginning with both his stand-up and ground game. On May 15, 2021, he took on former Bellator champion Michael Chandler, surviving a difficult first round that saw him dropped and out-wrestled before knocking Chandler out seconds into round two with a series of left hooks to become the undisputed lightweight champion. 
one of the most technically proficient Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners in the sport. Oliveira holds the UFC record for submissions at 14 and finishes at 17. He is able to control distance with his excellent jab and leg kicks and is one of the most dangerous grapplers in the game. Will Poirier be able to turn this into a dogfight and wear Oliveira down? Or will Dolph Bronx be able to control the fight with his slick striking and world-class jiu-jitsu to prove that he is one of the pound-for-pound best in the world? Tune in Saturday night and let's find out. All right, Joe. Who you got? Okay. Um, I think that Charles Oliveira is incredibly disrespected by just about everybody. And the reason he is, is because of the reputation he earned. I just was watching a presser yesterday, and uh, I think it was Justin Gaethje said he was picking uh, Poirier to win the fight. And I don't know if you guys remember this some months back here when I first joined the show, I questioned Charles Oliveira's heart and the fact that this guy for Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist always quick to tap when you put him in a move. And I said I was really concerned about that. And then I turned his life around or whatever it was that he did. I, I think it's unfortunate he's still facing those kind of questions. I really do. Uh, this guy has been... Uh, in his last six, seven, five, yeah, he's been he's been amazing, um, and he's he's shaken off some of those problems. That said, his biggest problem right now is that he's facing the best lightweight in the world. Uh, as soon as Khabib went bye bye, uh, Dustin Poirier, in my opinion, is the clear cut number one lightweight on the planet. And I do think he's going to finish Charles Oliveira in this fight, probably late round three. TKO. Jared, I know you've been very high on Charles Oliveira. Yeah, man. I wish we could like to spin this back a year and put together a montage of the things we said about Charles Oliveira before that Tony Ferguson fight. But December's have been something else for Charles Oliveira. They really have December 12th, tomorrow. Uh, December 12th of 2014, he won the Ultimate Fighter finale. December 19th, he beat Miles Jury coming off a loss of Max Holloway. Then he lost three out of the first four. The, four, the third one was Paul Felder on 12-2, 2017. That was the one that caused this turnaround you're talking about. December 15th, beat Jim Miller in what was, uh, by my quick math here, just realizing that this could be a thing, third on the list of most fights between the two fighters. Uh, Beat Jim Miller again in December, and then a year ago tomorrow, Tony Ferguson. And... I think he beats Dustin Poirier. I just can't get off the train now. I can't. I, I, I have. I understand you know, that. He's going to yeah. knock you off the train. Don't sweat it. Oh, <laughs> so most bouts between two fighters, UFC history. Best I can come up with is 59. You guys know who was in that fight? Any guesses? 
59 bouts 50, between fighters. Between the two fighters in the fight at in the UFC. 59 Frankie Edgar, UFC Jose fights. Aldo. It's Jim Miller, Clay Guida. Oh, nice. Oh, jeez. Second oh. on that list, by, again, by my quick math, I didn't look it up directly. I did most bouts and then did the math. With 54, Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. 54 UFC fights between these two guys. Wow. That's where I... Dude, I've been uh, against Oliveira. I've been one of those people who hasn't given him the credit he deserves. And I... After that last fight, after him wearing the getting the belt, I, I I show him respect. I'll give him the respect. He has the record, most finishes, most submissions. I'll give him the respect. But like I've said, the the real best lightweight is Dustin Poirier. He, he I, I don't blame him for going after Connor, getting the money, getting the bag. But and now he's coming for one. the belt he should yes. have gotten a year ago. Styles yes. make fights, though. Isn't isn't Oliveira yes. one of the only ones in the weight class dynamic enough to give Poirier problems? Yes, definitely. Yes. Yeah. That's why he's the champ. Yeah, but I just think Poirier, Poirier's ground game, I think, is very underrated. I don't think Charles – I think he'll be able to find ready, ways to – Ready? Connor, Connor, Dan Hooker, but when he was still good – Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Pettis. Those are the guys he's beaten in, in, in since 2017. They're all of his wins. His one loss was to Khabib. That's who he's been fighting. I said when he went into both McGregor fights, what I tell you guys, Connor has not been fighting. This guy has been fighting the best in the world. He only fights the best in the world. And when I say he only fights, I mean the best – Lightweight MMA fighters. Those are the only people he's been focused on. He's dispatched everybody. And again, I don't. I, I want to be really clear here. I think Charles Oliveira deserves all the respect in the world. And I think no one's been a, a bigger pusher of that theory than Dustin Poirier, who doesn't like the fact that Charles Oliveira seems to be getting dismissed despite the fact that he holds the gold. Charles Oliveira could definitely win this fight. This will be a better fight than either of the McGregor fights. I can tell you that. 100%. This is going to be competitive. I think Oliveira is going to get off to a great start. I think you, it might even look like Oliveira is going to finish him in round one. Mark my words. Poirier battles back. TKO in three. Mm. It's going to be a war. This is going to be, this could be, I think, a fight of the year. Yes. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. A lot of potential in this fight, for sure. But I, I will say, I don't think uh, – maybe – I can't see Charles Oliveira getting close to finishing Poirier. I can see him landing a couple great shots, but, but Poirier is just too tough. Both oh, I think he's – get him in a guillotine, lock okay. it in. You're like, oh, no, he got but, him. It's over. But, but I think – And he'll pull his head out of there, and he'll come back and win. Dustin Poirier's – Ground game, I think, is very, very underrated. His Brazilian jiu-jitsu game in particular. Uh, I think he has the, the right abilities to defend against Charles Oliveira. I mean, I understand Charles Oliveira is a different breed, and maybe he can put him in something for a second, but I, I trust Dustin Poirier's ground game to get out of it and get safe. But I just think on the feet, I, I just think Dustin Poirier, he's just 
too much. It's going to be too much. I think he's going to overwhelm him, and he's just way too powerful for Charles Oliveira. Uh, so, I, yeah, I see Dustin Poirier just dominating this fight. Yeah, I, I like the war. It, it's going to be a great fight. I love the prediction for fight of the year because it definitely has that potential. But I, I'm going to say three rounds, Dustin Poirier. We'll only need three rounds to get it done. I don't like Oliveira by decision, so I have to take him by stoppage. I'll take that same third round you guys took, but the other way. You think he's going to? Oh, yeah. Um, I think we could get to a point where the first round is all. I mean, if I'm Joeing in trying to call each step, Oliveira kind of edges it. out the first round. He's more dynamic. He's, his striking's a little more. Um, Justin Poirier tries to push it on him. Second round, third round, he's coming after him um, and wins the second round. And then as Oliveira's realizing, if we do this for five rounds, he's just going to win four to one. He'll then start to bury the tank toward the second half of the third round thinking, you know, I got to change the tide here. And then when he does that, he'll end up with the submission. Okay. All right. I will say... For me, hedging my bets a little bit. The only way Charles Oliveira wins in my book is with a leg lock. I think Dustin Poirier is good enough on the ground to defend against the chokes, defend against an arm bar or a Kimura. But, I mean, leg locks are different, and Charles Oliveira is great with the legs. So I think that's going to be my one way Charles Oliveira gets it done. But but I do think Dustin Poirier just too much, and he is the top of the light weight division and I, I said this last time i said this with michael Ch- the michael chandler fight charles Oliveira lost to paul felder paul felder's calling fights i mean let's be real here i i, I can't I, I i i want i want to respect him i think he's going to be great but man i, I uh, listen again allow me to defend charles hold on no no no, no. But, but listen it's important because look you know he went through a rough patch. He lost four out of six. And I mean, yeah. a less talented fighter, they might have sent you packing. But he lost to Max, Pettis, Lamas. The Felder thing's inexcusable. But again, I think in the mindset he was in, it hadn't been going well. Felder was like a dude, he had just beaten Will Brooks by uh, a choke. Go ahead and take out Felder. I believe it was a replacement fight anyway. Yeah. Um, that was a rough patch. That was yeah. a rough patch because otherwise in his career, he's lost to Jim Miller, Donald Cerrone, Cub Swanson, and Frankie Edgar. So you take out the Felder and maybe Ricardo Lamas, you could say the same thing Tony said before about Jose Aldo. Only lost to the best. Hey, now let's go no back. Shame in that. Go into that a little bit. Go into that. Let's say we're dealing with um, a a height of the game, like adjust to your um, react to the lights type of guy who late replacement guy I'm going to be. This is not really he doesn't get up for the fight as much as he should have and gets beat guy by a hungry guy that was staying ready 100 percent of the time. All right. That happens. You think he's not going to get up for this fight. You got another thing coming. And if you look through those fights, you can kind of find a reason like every single fighter in the world with losses. Ask me about mine. 
<laughs> he will find a way to walk your way through those losses. But with all these wins in a row and he's getting up for fights and he's one of the best in the weight class, and I think he's he's more dynamic. As Sanders said, he has more ways to win than Poirier. You know what's so interesting is is the fight against Max that he lost. They stopped it because he had an esophagus injury. He wins his next fight by guillotine and then loses his next two by guillotine and then beats Will Brooks by guillotine. So I feel like, and again, talking about the quick tapping, I think the injury to the throat was probably worse than people. And maybe mm. maybe Charles has never really talked about how much of a problem that was. But it how do you like, know that and continually question his heart? Well, that's why I'm that's why I'm 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 trying to explain this now because again, as I deep dive this and I'm looking and I'm like, boy, right after that. All of his fights are like literally all guillotines, either him or the other person. And it's like people must have known, like, go for the throat. It's sensitive. He'll tap quick because they were trying to throw it on him. And then he was trying to throw it on them to get himself out of there quicker. And now that the, whatever that was is gone, that doesn't seem to be an issue for him anymore. And it's been more, you know. Four of his last uh, 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 five wins have been TKOs or knockouts. So yeah. there's a better Charles Oliveira, Jared, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's won, and, ten, and he's won 10 in a row in the last 10. Uh, Poirier lost to Nemagomedov and was knocked out 10 fights ago by Michael Johnson in the first round. Well, Kevin Lee, Jared Gordon, Nick Lentz, I mean, calm down. They're both it's not like. Lentz. They're it's both list. lists. It's a decent list. It it pales oh, in comparison. Two There's two losses on one of them. It pales in comparison to what Dustin Poirier has done and who he's yeah. been fighting yeah. since 2017. It does. This is a great resume. And in most fights, you'd look at it and be like, oh, Oliver's been killing everybody. To look at who Poirier's been fighting, it's like, oh, no, that guy really is. The yeah. exception to Khabib. But Khabib would destroy Oliveira just the same. He could probably beat them both at the same time. Yeah. Speaking of Khabib, I got to bring this up, Sander. <laughs> well, yeah, but but this is different. Oh, Oliveira, Sander, come Oliveira, on, dude. Oliveira is yeah. a technical, Oliveira is a technical <laughs> jiu-jitsu practitioner. He sets up it with his jiu-jitsu. Khabib pounds the crap out of you till you wants to quit, and then he puts it in. How it's did any different. fighter ever do defending the choke against yeah. Khabib? I watched this fight too yesterday. Uh, I mean, Connor didn't even <laughs> Khabib didn't even have the he wasn't even on his on his neck. He was on the chin, and that Irish bastard quit. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, dude. Come on, Khabib's on another on another planet. The the it's technical the technical skills that that guy employs is why he's so good. He's always in the right place. His his body positioning is always where it needs to be. He doesn't make mistakes. That's why you can't get away from or escape Khabib. Everybody else in, in, in this sport is a little bit sloppy compared to Khabib. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. the, the, that's the nicest way I can say this. They're always a little sloppy. As soon as he gets past my jab, if I can, I'm tapping. <laughs> all right oh gosh i mean that, that's the main event but i mean well, we got some great cards it is great and speaking of the card let, let's talk about it well, we're giving you a double dose of fight of the night this week because we got a great ufc fights 
and great boxing fights. But before we move on to boxing, Joe, what's your fight of the night in the UFC tonight? Oh, man, there's so many good ones. Jeez. Uh, This card is so deep. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I could go on about this card forever, probably. No. Do you want me to do that? Ryan Hall by heel hook. Ryan Hall by heel hook. Okay. Okay. I like that. What else you got? Just throw that in there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Ryan Hall, is that your fight of the night, Jared? Oh, no. Oh, no. I was just throwing that in there. What's your Uh, fight of the night? Ah, this I, I and and it is this is a tough tough call because there's a lot of good fights on here. But I like um, I like Dominic Cruz and Pedro Munoz. I think that's going to be a hell of a fight. And there's uh some big guys here, Andre Muniz and Eric Anders. It's going to be a good fight. Uh Blanchfield, Miranda Maverick, I think is really good. She's fighting Aaron Blanchfield. Ought to be a really good fight. And look for an upset. Jillian Roberson gets upset. By Priscilla Cachoeira, I love that fight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cachoeira for the upset there. And Ryan Hall by heel hook. Um, boxing is is easier for me. I've got a... Uh... Well, don't wait. Save it, Jerry. We'll, we'll oh, get to okay. that. Don't worry. All right, all right. Yeah, we're, we're still going there. The we're just, there's so many yeah, great fights. There's so many. But uh, uh, for, for me... Sean O'Malley's great. I love love watching him fight him against Raul and Paiva. I think that should be great. Kaikara France against Cody Garbrandt. This Kaikara France kid is a beast. And Cody Garbrandt struggled. Uh, I think Kaikara France gives Cody Garbrandt even more trouble. But, I I mean, I'm a sizist when it comes to, to, to combat sports. Augusto Sakai versus Tai Tuivasa. Tai Tuivasa is one of my oh, favorite Oh, that's fighters. right. Yeah, dude. That's Only a great heavyweight fight. with a flying knee knockout is Tai Tuivasa. Give me the heavyweights. And I don't know what the under is on that, but but someone's going to sleep. Someone's going to sleep in that fight. So, yeah. But uh, all right. Let us go to boxing. We got a big fight. I mean, still in the lightweight. Lightweight's been showing out this past uh, past three weeks now. But uh, now we got uh, – he's got the loss, but he's still, in my opinion, the lightweight goat right now. Lomachenko versus Richie Kami. Joe's going to break it down for us. Vasily Lomachenko takes on Richard Comey on Saturday night at Madison Square Garden in New York City in a 12-round lightweight division showdown. Let's break it down. Richard Comey is 34 years old. He's 5'8 with a 71-inch reach and a record of 30-3 with 27 knockouts. From Accra, Ghana, Comey, a natural athlete, grew up in abject poverty, originally taking up kickboxing before settling into his current profession. And after a brief 12-fight amateur career, He made his pro debut in February of 2011 with a second-round knockout. After amassing a record of 17-0 with all wins coming by knockout, he defeated Gary Buckland by decision in London to win the Commonwealth lightweight title in June of 2014. He then won five of his next six by knockout before challenging Robert Easter for the vacant IBF lightweight title 
coming out to a fast start, but ultimately losing by a close split decision. After dropping another split decision to Russia's Denis Shafakov, he bounced back, winning his next three two-by stoppage before blowing out Issa Chienev in two rounds to claim the IBF belt in his second attempt. For his first defense, he took on former WBO champion Ray Beltran, putting on a dominant performance and dropping him four times before the referee called a halt to the action in the eighth round. In his next fight, he faced rising star Teofimo Lopez, getting dropped by a powerful counter-right cross in the second round and beating the count before another flurry by Lopez prompted the referee to stop the fight. He came back two months later, overwhelming Jackson Martinez and knocking him out with a thunderous right cross. An aggressive pressure fighter, Comey has an excellent jab that he uses to set up his powerful right cross and likes to wear his opponents down with a brutal body attack. Vasily Lomachenko is 33 years old. He's 5'7", with a 66.5-inch reach and a record of 15-2 with 11 knockouts. From Biharad, Ukraine, Lomachenko took up boxing at the age of five, learning under the tutelage of his father, Anatoly. As part of his training, he was enrolled in gymnastics and Ukrainian folk dancing to perfect his balance and footwork. In 2004, he embarked on the most illustrious amateur career in boxing history, amassing a record of 396-1 and winning a myriad of world amateur titles, culminating in gold medals at the 2008 and 2012 Olympics. He turned pro in 2013 with a fourth-round knockout of Jose Ramirez. In his second fight, he attempted to break the record for shortest run to a world title by challenging veteran Orlando Salido for the WBO featherweight belt. However, Salido came in at the welterweight limit and continuously fouled Lomachenko, who was unable to mount a serious offense, eventually losing by split decision. Due to Salido missing weight, the belt was left vacant, and on June 21st, 2014, Lomachenko defeated Gary Russell Jr. to become champion in his third fight. He defended the title three times and in 2016 broke the record for shortest run to two titles when he knocked out WBO super featherweight champion Rocky Martinez with a brutal left uppercut right hook combination. He defended that belt four times against such renowned fighters as Nicholas Walters and Guillermo Rigandau, dominating them from start to finish and making them quit in their corners between rounds. In May of 2018, he won a world title in his third weight division when he moved up to lightweight to challenge WBA champion Jorge Linares. Despite getting dropped in the sixth round, Lomachenko steadily gained momentum as the fight progressed, breaking Linares down and stopping him with a vicious liver shot. Seven months later, he picked up the WBO belt with a dominant victory over Jose Pedraza and followed that up with a brutal one-punch knockout of Anthony Krola and a unanimous decision win over fellow Olympian Luke Campbell. After a 14-month layoff, he took on the newly crowned IBF champion Teofimo Lopez and, in a surprising upset, lost the first half of the fight and the 12th round to drop a unanimous decision. On June 26, 2021, he returned against Masahashi Nakatani, putting on a vintage performance and dropping him twice en route to a ninth-round stoppage. One of the finest tacticians in the sport, Lomachenko possesses blinding hand speed, exceptional timing in defense, as well as the best footwork and ring IQ in boxing. Will the devastating power and relentless pressure of Colby be enough to overpower Lomachenko? Or will the creativity and speed of Loma prove that he still belongs at the top of the pound-for-pound rankings? Tune in Saturday night to Lomachenko versus Comey, and let's find out. I mean, we just talked a lot about, I mean, the past two weeks, we've talked a lot about the lightweight division 
And ever, I mean, Teofimo Lopez, now Combosis, now Haney, Gervonta Davis. However good, I mean, this top of this division is, everyone still needs to fight each other. But everyone is calling each other out, but no one has Lomachenko's name in their mouth. Even after he has a loss, this guy's still the boogeyman. No one wants to fight him for a reason. This guy, what, like I said with uh, Joe when we were talking about Peter Yan, uh, all those guys, they're fighting to be the, t- the best at lightweight. Lomachenko's fighting to be the best pound-for-pound fighter. Lomachenko's a different breed. That, that uh, Lopez fight is... Is a outlier, just a fluke, an outlier. Love that, and uh, yeah, yeah. He's just gonna continue to do what he does. Sorry, Richard Comey, you're just in the way for Lomachenko to dominate. Yeah, none of these, none of these social media stars want anything to do with Loma. <laughs> Listen, Richard Comey is a tough as nails fighter. He's got a big yeah. punch. He is a former champion, which keeps in line with the kind of guys Lomachenko likes to fight. If you, you're a title holder or you are a title holder, he'd love to pencil you in. I just, I think, unfortunately for Comey, like most everybody who's fought this guy, you don't have the speed. You don't have the head movement. Uh, Lomachenko will break you down. Lomachenko will beat you to the body. He could finish you with a liver shot. He could take you out with an uppercut. Or he could just beat the crap out of you for 12, uh, whatever whatever you prefer. The, the, the Lopez fight is unfortunate. Um, you know, maybe Lomachenko's arrogance or confidence is maybe the number one thing that hurts him. That might be this guy's only flaw is that he knows he's as good as he is. Uh, and so he can. And I think I want to say maybe Bud Crawford falls into this category a little bit where they don't fight with that urgency in round one. It's more of a feeling out process. I'll, I'll figure out what you're doing. I'll make my adjustments and I'll finish you. And look, they've both done that uh, with great success. Sans the, the the Lopez fight. Um, I got to get on my boy, Sander. You care if I cut in here, Joe? Yeah, no, please do. 396 and one. That's Loma's amateur record. He avenged that loss twice he beat that guy. So he's now fought 414 times in his life and lost three fights. Now, the answer to this is a little saying I've, I've used so many times in the past. I never think it really got the recognition it deserves. But the guy you want your kid to watch. Now, when I say the one you want your kid to watch, um, we'd all like to sit with our kid and watch a Justin Gagey fight. Because if it's it's exciting, but if your kid is learning to fight, Justin Gagey is the last person you want to sit and go through strategizing with. This is the best and most technically sound boxer of my lifetime. The best feet, the best distancing, the best movement. Loma is the one you want your kid to watch. The female version of this is Katie Taylor. Absolutely. Yeah. Had to know that was coming. There is, but, but they're 33 and 35, you know? So for me, it's kind of, we're getting into that sad time of here is the greatest you are going to get to watch in your lifetime. 
If you're learning how to box, these are the two you want to be watching, Katie Taylor and Loma. And they're getting, they're edging toward the end of their career. And I wish some of these other guys would give Loma a fight. Why are you guys fighting a week, two weeks away from each other and fighting other guys that aren't on that list? And you're right. Nobody wants Loma. Nobody wants Bud. Errol Spence put on seven pounds on popcorn and pretzel rods during the fight to get, to get up to weight so he wouldn't have to fight Bud Crawford on his way out of the gym. Put on water weight. Loma, yes. Yeah. Uh, pound for pound? Yes. Loma. Because if you somehow could suck the other eight pounds out of Lopez, Loma just slapped the hell out of him nine, ten of those rounds. It was just that he was a bit bigger. And like you said, Loma's trying to prove he's the pound for pound best on the planet. He's taking those fights and the other guys aren't. Yeah. Uh, Tony just commented, 90s Roy Jones and Lomachenko are the two best fighters I've seen in my lifetime. I would uh, 100% go with that. Roy Jones Jr. Uh, is my GOAT. I think that guy, uh, before the last few fights of his career, was the best. Uh, a better boxer, technically, than Loma. Yeah. No. Yeah. More athletically no, gifted. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, I didn't. That's those were your words. I did not no, say I'm that. asking you. you <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I didn't. I yeah, didn't. Roy I didn't. Jones was a more technically sound. Oh, no, fighter. I don't think there's ever because I'm giving Andre Ward the edge over Roy Jones when it comes to boxing. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, as far as dominating a fight, as far as ring IQ, knowing what to do, the ability to not get hit. Mm. Those are again. It's it, it's. It's two guys that play chess, and their opponents are banging around on the chess. The ones board. you want your kids to watch. Correct. Because you don't want your kids taking damage. That's why I say that. Because you put your kid in that position, you're thinking, I want somebody who's great, who's going to win, but I don't want somebody taking a lot of damage. They're going to have to be real skillful with the end. These are the guys you want your kids watching. Because they don't take punches. They dominate with other stuff. Yeah. And, oh, and what's the girl that just did that? I said by jab with the with the distancing. She's uh Marina Rodriguez. Rodriguez, yeah. Rodriguez. Yeah, boy. Wow. When you have that, it's something that my jab. It's just something that has to be addressed in the fight right away, or you're gonna catch a lot of them and I'm gonna win by decision. Winner by jab. Yeah. If we don't have to do anything else, if my pawn structure is enough to beat your checkers. <laughs> you're not going to get there again th right this is i think when you're so in a league for his peers you're oh. always you're always you know what i mean like you're you're where you're supposed to be and they're walking into it you're yeah. you're i mean my god i you know long before sanders boy floyd did it you know roy would <laughs> would put his hands behind his back and stick his face out give you a chance to throw a couple of punches, you'd swing and miss, and then you'd eat a left. That I was fun. A, I have a rap verse you're reminding me about, and I don't remember it word for word, so I'm not going to do it, but it's a, a the, the metaphor is about, like, running across the tops of people's heads. Like, I'm that high above the rest of the <laughs> – that I'm running across the top of people's heads. So that – and it's uh, – if your head and shoulders above the rest, I'm just stumbling. 
Oh, that's hilarious. Oh. Is the line. Yeah. yeah so when I you're that's it. and that's Roy, you could be head and shoulders above the rest. And maybe he stumbles a little bit, but he's that far above that if you're above, it's just a, it's just a bump in the road. I'm jogging on. Yeah. And to, to go back to a point you mentioned earlier, Jared, uh, Lomachenko, Katie Taylor, you also mentioned these, these greats, they're getting up there in age. But the thing is, is they are so technically sound, they're not getting hit. They aren't getting into these brawls. They aren't taking that damage. That, that's why they can go. The, they can keep going for a while because they just know what to do. They're just Be-hop. so much better. Behop, George Foreman, they made the adjustments into their 40s to the boxing game. They did things a lot of the – they did things Tank Davis will not be able to do four or five years from now. By the time he's 30, this won't work anymore, and it, his brain won't have the plasticity to learn the game the way he should be learning it now. It's not going to happen. I agree. Yeah, a thousand percent. You, you couldn't uh, that, that's, that's, that's it. That's the statement right there. Things he'll never, ever do. And, and even if you explain to him why he should, he still wouldn't do it. Well, and that's it. You have these guys that are athletically gifted that they, that they rely on it. They're reliant on their natural gifts and talents, and they learn less of the boxing game. And there's a different trajectory for the Katie Taylors and Lomas who can do it till they're 40. Then there is the Justin Gages and, and uh, a Tanks that are at 30 going to be, no, no, no. Watch them, watch them fight and watch their hands when they punch. Crawford has a tendency to come over the over the top and use an open hand and it works. It's just not the most technically sound. It's not what I would want my kid doing. Watch the fights, watch their feet, watch their hands and watch YouTube videos on how you're supposed to box. I promise you Loma's a better boxer. This is the greatest technical boxer of my lifetime that I've been able to watch and look at and analyze. Per the math, we'll talk later about the gambler. He's a guy in my head that's always doing the statistics. I'm on the autism spectrum, and I'm just, it comes from being a child and always saying and doing the wrong thing. And, oh, I won't do that anymore. And, oh, that didn't work. And everyone laughed at me. I'm not going to do that again. I won't say that, you know, and doing the statistics until I'm finding things that are working. And uh, this guy, when I watch him, I promise you, is the greatest boxer you're going to watch live right now. For the last few years, he and Katie Taylor have been the male and female one you want your kid to watch. Yeah, and that's honestly, I, I don't mean to diss you, Sander, but, but your casual is showing here a little bit. Your casual fan. You're, uh, <laughs> the, the thing with Lomachenko and Katie Taylor, these guys, like just watching them, you, you don't realize what they're doing. You have to go back and watch a couple times to see, oh, he did this, that, there, oh, that, there. Like, you have to re-watch it to really understand. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. Three yeses. <laughs> Three yeses. What was but, uh, Like, just you, you have to go watch and see, like, this – it doesn't just. Come I feel out. like Sander hasn't really watched Lomachenko fight. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't mean that. I, hang on, I mean hang like on, hang literally. On. So I'm 84 sure and 8. 
84 and 8. You tell me. Now, amateurs, how it works is you have to fight each other. You don't have any choices. You're in the same weight class. You fight over and over and over on your way through those tournaments. Sometimes several people in a day, and they never have any option about it. They don't get to cherry pick one of those guys, Floyd, 84 and 8. And grew up with boxing and didn't do any ballet. The other one was 396 and one. So not only was Floyd losing occasionally 10% of his, just under 10% of his fights versus 0.25. He was also picky about his tournaments, wasn't he? With less than 100 fights. Getting into tournaments he thought he could win, ending up with eight losses. This guy had 400 fights and lost once and beat that guy twice. Look at Baturbiev. Look at Usyk. Go back and look at the amateur records of some of these guys who I'm two in their horns all the time. You're going to find out that they have the, the better boxing. There's a difference in amateur. There's a difference in Baturbiev. Look at his stoppages. You got to be strong to stop somebody with a helmet on at light heavy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, all right, we, we, yes. keep, we, we can say so much stuff about Loma. I mean, there's a reason he's one of the greatest, but. Well, we'll spend on. 20 minutes next yeah. show talking about Loma. Don't sweat it. Yes. Yeah. Right off the top. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right, let's get back to fight of the night. Uh, we got some great, uh, great boxing matches as well. I uh, will. You mentioned Baturbiev, Jared. But we won't get a chance to talk about this fight till till next show. He's got on December seventeenth. He's got Marcus Brown. Watch that fight. Baturbiev is also going to be great. And then also before next show on December fourteenth, uh, in a way fights another pound for pound in a way. Jared's lovely nickname for the I'm guy. very excited, uh, and I think Sander mentioned it earlier in the chats. Yes, Nonito Donaire takes on Raymar Gabalo, 39 years old. He says he plans to unify the bantamweight division. <laughs> I love it. Oh, love it. Yes. That's going to be a great fight. Yeah. But, uh, Jared, what, what's your fight tonight? Oh. This guy had a split decision with Ruslan Pravonikov. Uh, beat Emmanuel Taylor. Good, good fighter. Eric Boney beat. <clears throat> Only losses are decision to Pacquiao. Um, knocked out by Spence in five. Those are the only times he was dominated and an amazing fight with Amir Khan. This is a really, really good boxer named Chris Algieri. He's a plus 500 against Connor Ben. Connor Ben is a strong, young, fast, capable, 19 and 0, 12 knockouts. Um, losing a few rounds here and there. He fought, he beat Formella. He beat uh, Adrian Granados was his last fight. Good fighter. Lost two or three rounds to Granados, I thought. And um, Algeri, while he's old, has always put on a good show and, 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 and in most of his fights done better than you expected. If he does any better than you expect here, he's going to give this young kid everything he can handle. 
Good. Oh. True. Nigel was a monster. This is not a this is not a Nigel. True. Uh yeah, for for anybody who's not a boxing historian, uh go look up Nigel. Uh that's dad. And um that a- absolutely. Uh Nigel was a killer. Um and Connor is not there and Algeri is is a major step up for him from uh Granados, I think. So uh, Box Rex has them at six and forty-seven. So he's fighting a guy six times better than the guy he just lost rounds against. Chris Algieri has a shot to win this fight. I don't think he will, but fight of the night, I'm gonna I'm gonna tune in for sure. Algieri being good fight. All right, my fight of the night. We we've talked about her a little bit. Katie Taylor versus Feruza Sharapova. Katie Taylor, the GOAT, the greatest. I actually um, – Shakur Stevenson, uh, I, I tweeted at him earlier this week. Um, let me pull it up real quick on my phone here. Um, someone said uh, Lukey Boxing, whatever that is. Katie Taylor has transformed women's boxing. Uh, Shakur Stevenson quote tweeted that, put a asterisk, said Clarissa Shields. Clarissa Shields is scared of Savannah Marshall. That's why she went to MMA. Katie Taylor just keeps continuing her reign as the queen of boxing. <laughs> My man. Let's go. It's got four likes. Go, go like that. Go, go. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get on Shakur Stevenson's back. Let's go. Come on, guys. But, uh, all right, yeah, Katie Taylor, beast. And, and, I mean, shame on us for not mentioning it uh, before. You got another female goat. In the UFC fight tonight, uh, in uh, Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena, both of them take care of business. Continue to the, their top as the queens of their respective sports. So yeah, make sure you look out for those. But uh, I, right, Jared, talking about the gambler, talking about uh, the odds for everything. Let's give us your puncher's chance. Uh, this is a three-way parlay. I love that Sonny Edwards number down at the bottom. This guy is phenomenal. He doesn't have the power I'd like him to have, but he's young yet and may develop it. Those other two guys, Kurbanov and Abduka Kakarov, uh, both do have power, will be straightforward fights, probably take the under on those top two and the over on that last one, but love the minus 300 of Sonny Edwards numbers. I think it dropped to 280. This is uh it's that that's a good bet. Sonny Edwards likely by decision doesn't have the power, but parlay all three of these and it turns into a it turns into even money. All right. All right. But uh that's going to do it with the fights for today. Thank you Joe and Jared for joining me talking about those great UFC card Great boxing matches, even great boxing throughout the week. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you watch those. Make sure you enjoy them. And big shout-out to CTBB Realty, Mosquito Shield, for sponsoring today's episode. Make sure you go hit them up and uh, help them out. But uh, And big shout-out to Clovercrestmedia.com for sponsoring today's episode. Make sure you go to www.clovercrestmedia.com to check out 
bunch of other great podcasts, not just sports podcasts. We've got political podcasts, conspiracy theory podcasts, true crime podcasts. And if there is a podcast that you, you don't see that you want, you can start your own, Clover, www.clovercrestmedia.com. And we're going to end the show like we always do. And Jared, hit us with that flurry. As I was saying earlier, I have a uh, part of my brain that's always kind of doing statistics. I, I picture a guy at a card table playing with his chips and doing the math and figuring out what's going to happen next. What's the next most likely scenario? What what you should say, how you should act, what you should do. Um, and he's always just kind of crunching the numbers and doing the making the best bet, figuring out what the best bet is. I have some people real close to me struggling. Um, and I've got the gambler crunching the numbers. You know, the recidivism rate in America is over 85%. You've been to jail, you're going back. The relapse rate is over 85%. If you've ever been to de- detox or rehab, one out of six odds are you're going back. So I have five people real close to me that are struggling with drugs and alcohol and I'm really hurting right now. And um, my wife said to me, why don't you call them? Why don't you see if you can try to talk to them? Maybe there's something you can do to help. And I'd love to believe that's true. But I know that when this thing grabs a hold of people, there's nothing you can do until they reach out of the fire except for burn yourself. So I want to try to help out, but I've got this gambler inside my head that knows all those statistics and sees those five people and goes, the odds are better that all of them die from this than that two of them survive. I'm not throwing my chips at plus 850. If I'm talking to you and you're one of those five people, you probably have a pretty good idea that I'm talking to you. And if my next best bet on your life is your death, then it's time for you to go all in on something else. Thanks, guys. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch of chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs hello my name is
name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meat, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.